1: Man, that steam is thick today, but it's an excellent atmosphere for another episode of The Steam Room. Which is uh, presented by TSO, the official watch of the NBA, along with Charles Barkley, Ernie Johnson. Thanks a lot, Loyal Steamers, for being with us. Uh, always pumped up to uh, to crank out a brand new episode for you oh, to enjoy yes. over the next week. Are you in a good mood today, Chuckster?
2: I'm in a great mood, man. Ernie, I am so pumped for these playoffs. This is going to be the craziest. I told you, 36 years in the NBA. I got zero idea who's gonna win the championship. And I cannot wait to get this thing started.
1: Yeah, and we'll be talking to uh, Maria Taylor, who is... Uh, the great
2: Maria Taylor. The
1: great Maria Taylor, who is the host of the ESPN coverage uh, in their studio. We'll be talking to her about uh, not just NBA, but talking about her commencement address at the University of Georgia. And she's beautiful. She's just uh, She is just a delightful human being. And so Damn. that's still to come on this episode. But we always begin
2: with Chuck's first of all... First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get 100 nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. Well, I got a couple of things. Uh, Obviously, last weekend, we got into the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame for our show. And I just want to reiterate what I said last week. Man, thanks to every single person who's ever worked. Ernie, I know you've been here 30 years. I've been here 20 years. And I know we get a lot of accolades that we probably don't deserve, but it's because of everybody behind the scenes. And I just want to say thank you. I mean, everybody who's done anything on the show in my 20 years, y'all are the reason we got in the Hall of Fame. So I just want to reiterate that from last week and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah,
1: that's for sure, Chuck. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, people don't realize how many folks are building graphics and adjusting lights and tweaking audio and building things for crazy, neato stat of the night. Yes. and and uh, and and just cutting highlights, logging games. Yeah. You know, there are so many jobs. Because if the four of us just showed up we wouldn't even get on the air. so um, You would. You would. I know. I don't know which button turns us on, so I don't know. But, again, great weekend. uh, Really honored, really humbled. Yes. Tremendous stuff. Now, what what else you got?
2: I got to give out to a guy named Richard Bland. Yes. You guys don't know Richard Bland. Richard Bland is a 40-year-old touring pro who played in 500 golf tournaments on a European tour Finally won his first tournament last week. Wow. And let me tell you something, guys. Go back and look at that video. It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. Richard,
1: 478 tries over 20 years, and the dream has come true. Try and describe your emotions. I can't. Next question. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah. Just, I've done it. I've done it. He lost his card a couple of times, had to go back to the minors. And like, this guy's been on tour over 20 years and had never won. And to see his tears of joy, and then they showed where he was Zooming with his wife and his mom and dad back home, and they were crying uncontrollably. And his mom and dad said, we're so proud of you, so proud of you. And we spent all our time talking about who won the championship, who didn't win the championship. Man, this dude, man, I just was so happy for him. You know, hey, everybody knows LeBron James and Kevin Durant. James Harden knows guys. But, man, there's people who play in the NBA who just live in their dreams. And, you know, it's hard to make it as a pro in any sport. And I just want to tell people, hey, I, I wish I could have won a championship, but my life don't suck. But, man, when I was watching this guy play, like I say, He played on tour for 20 years and he finally wins at age 47. It was just a great story. Just go look at this dude, man. I
1: can't wait to do that, man. I, that, uh, that escaped me. So Richard Bland, I will, I will look that up, man. Cause I love stuff like that. Uh, I, I love it when, when a person, when an athlete uh, or anybody in any business, when they achieve something that has been right there on the horizon for, for so long, yeah. and, and there probably are so many opportunities they had to say, heck with it. This ain't going to work. This is not, you know, this is not going to happen. So I can't wait to see that. And, yeah. and I know you've experienced a lot of those in your, in your career, yeah. as seeing guys who have realized a dream when
2: it looked like maybe they weren't going to get there. Yeah. And like, he's the ultimate journeyman. I mean, it's just some, everybody, if you, if you like sports you go watch this. So Richard Bland shout out. And Hey, and I want to say one more, I visited a spot the other night called the gathering spot here in Atlanta. And it's a great place. Go Google the Gathering Spot. It's one of the most amazing places I've ever been in Atlanta. Why is it amazing? It's where young black professionals can meet and network. No riff raff. You have to be a <laughs> member to go there. <laughs> no, you, have to, you have to. No riff raff. No. No riff raff. No <laughs> riff raff. But it's a great place for young. Like you can eat there, but it's it's really like a a, a workspace. That they got separate rooms, they got big meeting areas, indoor and outdoor. And it's just the guy started the business because he wanted a place where young black professionals could go and there's no BS. And uh, I'm going to join. So go check it out. Uh, the gathering spot. It, it really inspired me. I spent a couple of hours there, and like everybody's around, and everybody wants to be successful.
1: So why are you joining?
2: Well, uh, I, I want to. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I was.
1: Boom! Boom!
2: Hey, that sounds great. No, that's, no, that's, that's awesome. Chuckster. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But Ernie, when you get a chance, go, go check out Richard bland, man. You're going to go, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. His joy.
1: Yeah. I will do that. I will do that. Anything else on a, first of all.
2: Yeah. I just want to say, uh, we're going to, uh, interview the great Maria Taylor. Who's beautiful. Also who went to university of Georgia. When I was talking about those bulldog women's, I was talking about the other ones, not her. Just want to get that out that. It was
1: you're so inappropriate on that. <laughs> That's such a superficial thing. And <laughs> in addition to it being a hundred percent wrong,
2: Aaron, you
1: know I'm just joking. I know, but I'm just listen. I'm just telling you. I mean. Because I get my I got my Georgia friends who are saying I can't believe you didn't kill Charles for saying that. I said, look, when you've heard him when you heard his stuff for so many years, you just let him go until he stops, and then it'll go away. So don't worry about it. Hey, I
2: just want you to know there's at least five to ten good looking women who went to Georgia uh, in, in, in history
1: <laughs> in history. <laughs> you are a piece of work. I didn't know which word to use there. We're gonna take a. then Maria Taylor is gonna join us on the STEAM Room. Thanks, loyal STEAMers. You're gonna enjoy this show.
0: So to the graduates of 2021, I have only four instructions for you. Speak your truth, live in your purpose, walk in grace and inspire with your legacy. If you are able to aim for those four guideposts and live your life through them and with them in mind, you will be who you were meant to be. You will make those who love you extremely proud. You will live the life that you absolutely want to live. And you'll know that you've helped those that will come after you. So all I have to say to the class of 2021 is congratulations and good luck on your journey.
1: That was the great Maria Taylor delivering the commencement address at uh, my alma mater, her alma mater, the University of Georgia last week as we welcome you back to the steam room presented by tso the official watch of the nba you know we tell all our guests keep a towel on you've been on the show before so you know the rules i like the steam room thank you and we appreciate you being a loyal steamer <laughs> uh maria taylor is here with us yes. maria that was <laughs> tremendous i saw a much longer clip but you just crushed it you just crushed it thanks for being here
0: Thanks. I appreciate it, Ernie. Wait, can I tell you the best part about it was one, I was in the arena when you gave yours.
1: Those all-nighters you pulled when you studied like crazy and the words on those pages grew distant and hazy. And what made it worse made it feel not right was your friends were all hanging at bourbon that night. How did I know that would resonate? (laughs) You'll be in the workforce. Yes, sir, this is it. It's truly exciting and scary as... Well, it can be really scary. Oh, the trials you'll face in the course of your travels. One word from a doctor and your, your world unravels. But here's what I found is a pretty good tack. With faith, love, and hope. Your life travels right back. Oh, the mark that you'll make as tonight you embark. Take a swing at this life. Hit it out of the park. We'll read of your exploits in books and in blogs. You're the class of 17. Some damn good dogs. Thank you. I
0: that's like the commitment that I remember Blackberry moments and it was a whole thing I was like okay I need to leave something with them that's what Ernie did my sister graduated the year you gave your commencement and that's what I wanted it to be and two you calling me after the speech and being like hey don't you have a big night tonight yeah. and you had already missed me giving the speech and I'm like yeah, yeah I got NBA countdown what do you mean what's going on
1: like, uh, I was yeah I was on the road last weekend and then somebody had said hey this is Maria's doing the commencement and I was like Oh, I wonder if that's tonight. It's a Friday night, but you had done it on, on Thursday. Yep. You were wonderful. And, and there's nothing like standing in that stadium at Sanford Stadium and looking at those graduates and looking at those parents and yeah. Chuckster. This was definitely a marking moment for those graduates to hear what Maria had to say.
2: Well, you know, uh, I listened to a clip earlier, a long version. She's talking about our grandmother. Yep. And, and number one, it was inspiring. But first of all, I'm going ask both of your guys this question. Were y'all nervous?
0: Actually, I was more nervous to give the commencement speech than I am doing most shows that we do. Because... One, it's a live audience, but two, like it just means so much to you. Like you recognize what an honor that really is. So I know I was nervous. I don't know about you, Ernie, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, you definitely have some butterflies, but the the excitement of being able to do that and the honor that it is to do that far outweighed any of that. I can't even, I can't even describe the honor and the privilege that that was. And I mean, I replay that night in my mind all the time. And it was, uh, I mean, it's, it was a career moment. So Maria, the story about
2: your grandmother mm-hmm. almost teared up watching it. I did. So did you, <laughs> oh, Maria?
0: I did. I teared up. So
2: go, go ahead and just tell us more about that.
0: I called her Big Ma. Her name is Livonia Matthews, and she's from Athens, Georgia. Like my family, my mom's side of the family is from Athens. So with me that night, I had one of her cousins, her name was Roz, and they always grew up Bulldog fans, loved everything about it, but obviously they grew up in the forties and fifties. So they couldn't even, she would tell stories about how they would have to stay on the other side of the street. Like they couldn't touch the arch (laughs) or they couldn't walk under the arch unless you worked there or something. And so for her to be able to be there and go in and be in the president's box was like this huge 180 that she had never experienced. And I probably wrote three different versions of the speech and I sent it to one of my producers and he's like, I just feel like you should dig into your grandmother's story more. And then as we thought about it, and it was the 60th anniversary of the desegregation of Georgia, like there were too many things that lined up that needed to be mentioned. And she was the reason I went to Georgia, to be honest. She wanted someone to graduate from there. She was really sick at my graduation, but she came to every single event and was so excited, like ecstatic about it. And all she knew was that, like, if you graduate from Georgia, you'll have this crazy network. You'll probably be successful. I know I couldn't do it, but I want you to go and be able to do it and never harbored ill will about it or anything. And so that's something that I always took away from her. She's always been an inspiration to me from beginning to. end, had her own company, was in the Army. Anything you could think of, name it, she had been there and done that.
2: You know, that's what I was going to ask you when you're talking about your speech, like she really wanted you guys to go to University of Georgia cause to have that that emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. It is what it is back in the day, but I still want you guys to go to school. That That was amazing when you were talking about it.
0: Because she felt like this is what we fought for. You know what I mean? Like. The, we couldn't go so that you could, or, you know, we crawled so you could walk. But, you know, basically, I, we get to sprint and run. And so she didn't want us to take that for granted. And, like, she always preached education. And I'm telling you, she would know if Matthew Stafford was hurt before I did. You know, like, that's how much she cared about Georgia, like calling me, like, is he okay? But where is no And are we going to be Auburn? You know what I mean? Like, that's how much she cared about Georgia, even though she really shouldn't have, like she should have looked at this place and she drove by it all the time, lived right past Broad Street. I mean, Ernie knows all of the destinations and saw the university all the time, but couldn't walk on the campus and still
1: loved it to its core. So what did it mean for you on a, on a regular basis when you were Mm -hmm. in Athens? Because, I mean, that story, you knew that story. And so, I mean, when when you jumped on a north-south bus or you did mm-hmm. whatever you were going to class, weren't you, that had to never be very far from your from your thoughts.
0: Well, it's so funny because, you know, when you're young, you're like, you're young and you're dumb. I feel like maybe the students now have a better understanding because they've been confronted with so many things, you know, over the last year or over the last couple of years. But I really didn't think about it until graduation. Graduation or her coming to a volleyball or a basketball game, because she was just so proud. Like, she just wanted the opportunity to be proud of her grandkids and tell all of her friends that she had a granddaughter that went to the University of Georgia. Like, it meant so much to her. But the first time I realized it, like, and I thought about it, there were times when I literally, I didn't like my coach sometimes, my volleyball coach at Georgia, I wanted to transfer. And I would think, I can't do it because my grandma wants me to graduate from here. Like, literally, she kept me there. Yeah. And so to me, going to Georgia changed the course of my entire life. Like, I'm not here talking to you guys. I'm not working in broadcasting. None of these things really happen without going through that.
2: Let me ask you this question. Like, when did you decide that you wanted to go into broadcasting? Ooh. Was that your ultimate, like you said, at some point, I'm going to do broadcasting, or did kind of just flow to you?
0: No, it found me. I thought I was going to be a doctor, but you know, I'm not that smart. So I couldn't do biology and chemistry and all that stuff. It was not meant for me. I changed it to business. I took accounting. I didn't like that either. But my <laughs> best friend and my teammate was majoring in broadcasting. I was like, "Ooh, that's a major. You going to talk out loud. I was, I was really good at public speaking. So I was like, I need to do this one. And I really, once I got into it and you, like, applied to Grady, the first class I took was a news writing class. And I was like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And we probably had, like, three games a year on TV. So when you realize, like, someone's coming to this game and that's their job to sit here and call a volleyball match, like, that's what I want to do.
1: What was your first job?
0: First job, I worked at Georgia. Like I said, it all starts there. My athletic director at the time was Damon Evans. And he was like, okay, I know you want to do broadcasting. You can be a production assistant with IMG College. Or at the time, they were international sports properties. And they did all the video, you know, the radio broadcasts for women's basketball, all the internet broadcasts for volleyball. And we did like a Georgia Sports Daily every day, which is just like me standing in front of a tree telling you what
1: happened at Georgia. (laughs) The everywhere tree. The everywhere tree. Yeah. We're here.
0: <laughs> my first on-camera thing was Comcast Sports South. I did a volleyball match for them. And that was like the beginning. They gave me high school football. They gave me SEC football. We did the dog report on CSS. And it became ESPN after that.
1: You remember the, the day? You remember the moment ESPN called you?
0: Absolutely. I was at my One of my best friend's house, she had just had a baby. And we're like hanging out. And it's really close to football season starting. So say it's July, maybe the beginning of August. And I always say, I have to thank Erin Andrews because it was the year that she left for Fox and she kind of left a little late. And I was like, oh, they must have a hole in their roster. So they need to call somebody. And they had just taken Allison Williams from the CSS football game and I had taken over her game. And so they were like, we'll just go back to the well and pull Maria in. And, uh, and it was middle of the day. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Like, you're just going to give me a football <laughs> game. We're like, no, like, we're serious. We'll get you to email, the contract's coming. We want you to start this season.
2: (laughs) You know, obviously, you're very talented because now you're a full blown star. Like, really, you're the lead person on ESPN's coverage of the NBA. That's got to be daunting at in the beginning.
0: Yes, the most nervous I've been about anything was probably working the Rose Bowl for the first time for football, and then our first NBA Countdown show. And a lot of that is because I know how smart the fans are. I know how invested the NBA like viewers are. So if you mess up or fall on your face, like they're all over you. I know how much the players watch and listen to what we do and say. And so the most important thing for me and everything is just to be respected and knowledgeable. And so coming into it for the first time, I just felt behind, like I was constantly catching up. And I finally feel like I'm at a point in year two of like, the second longest season ever I feel like we never really stopped Jeez. but I finally feel comfortable going into this year's playoffs but it, it takes a while to feel that level of comfort
2: so like what's the biggest difference in preparing for football compared to basketball the biggest thing is
0: when we're in football it's like two teams one it's two teams and the second thing is I've been doing that for 10 years you know what I mean so that is like literally comes natural basketball like you need to watch it, not all the games, but you need to have NBA TV on. You need to be tuned in. You need to have your app open and be like, what are the Wizards doing? They're not on TV, but I need to see what they're doing because we're talking about Russ, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think it's a little more, to me, it's a little more invasive, but again, it's because it's my second season and it's just faster. There's a lot of storylines. There are a lot of teams to keep up with different players. I think the It's the most interesting. People care about these players. You know what I mean? Like, there's no bigger celebrity and that is an athlete, I think, other than maybe soccer overseas than an NBA player is in America. And so that's something that we love to play on and just, like, the star power of the league. That's what's completely different about football.
2: What does Maria Taylor do in her spare time?
0: I really just kind of... My dad has a bunch of land in Macon, Georgia. Like, we'll go down to the land and, like, mow the grass. I'm kind of country. Like, I really... My whole goal in life is to, like... They have... I don't know, 75 acres. I want it to turn into a farm so bad. Like I want the land to be cleared out. I mean, I don't know that I can be a farmer, but I could manage it. I told my dad, I'm like, you know what? He needs to grow some cannabis down there. And he needs to grow, I want a pumpkin patch and a watermelon patch.
2: Wait, you went from pumpkin and watermelon to cannabis? Well, because that's going to make the money. (laughs) And then the kids come for the pumpkins. And then they come in the summer for the watermelon. Hey, hey, the kids (laughs) come for the pumpkin. Their parents can go get the cannabis. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, I like that. It's an
0: organic farm,
1: you know. Wow. (laughs) You know, my wife, Cheryl Ann, we have a greenhouse here. so And she's growing all kinds of stuff in there. Chuck, what do you think? Should we? Should I? should oh. I get Cheryl Ann to to expand her horizons on the uh, on the greenhouse
2: here? Uh, listen, hey man, you know, for some reason, I, I'm not on the cannabis bandwagon. Well, don't <laughs> act like I am. Come on.
0: Right, I'm not either. I'm just trying to make my dad money.
2: <laughs> no, no. So I got I got friends who s- smoke religiously, mm-hmm. and I've said that I've smoked pot five times in my life. Five times. This count last night? <laughs> no, no, no. Ernie, all it make me want to do is eat some potato chips. I cannot get enough <laughs> potato chips in my mouth after I smoke pot. <laughs> hey, Maria, I'm telling you the truth. It did nothing for me. Uh huh. And I just like, yo, man, I just got the munchies. I, I, I don't, I, they're like, oh, man, you get used to it. It's going to do this and do that. I'm like, yo, yeah, man, I just need some potato chip. It didn't do shit for me.
0: It didn't do. That's it. I'm just hungry now. It's I'm ruining the diet. Now. I'm trying to be healthy, <laughs> and now it's ruining everything.
2: <laughs> oh, hey, Maria, who's going to win the
1: NBA title? Ooh, good question. Yeah, give me a good answer.
0: Okay, so if I had to do a, a power ranking, I would start with the Nets, probably go to the Clippers, then the 76ers, then the Bucks.
1: Ooh, where's Utah?
0: Then
2: Utah. Ooh.
0: Because I haven't seen Donovan back on the court. I got to see Donovan again.
2: I know. This Utah Jazz slander, I've had enough of it. They've had the best <laughs> record in NBA all year.
1: Hey, I got them going to the finals. Chuck, I said that on the air the other night. There you go. I think they're the most complete team. If, if, and that's a good point, Maria, on Donovan Mitchell. If he comes back and is, yeah. and is Donovan Mitchell, that's a pretty complete team. Because he
0: just came back to practice like Thursday. I was like, dang, that's yeah. a short yeah. turnaround uh, and then jumping into playoffs. But
2: the good thing about it, though, he's going to have a week or two Before, Mm -hmm. because they're going to win the first round with or without him. True. So he's really got some time. But I will tell you this. I'm going with Milwaukee in the East. Okay. I think the addition of P.J. Tucker and Drew Holiday is going to be huge. In the West, listen, I hate saying this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if my sons can beat the Lakers. I really don't. Mm. But, man, uh, I got two upsets in the first round. I'm going with the Blazers over the Nuggets. And I'm going with the Lakers over the Suns. But, man, uh, the Clippers been the quietest ever <laughs> all year. Yep.
0: And I think they like it like that.
2: They don't want you to say nothing about them till they show up to the party. I know Kawhi <laughs> likes it because that that dude is the most humble, quiet superstar. Him doing interviews is like probably doing a root canal for most people.
1: <laughs> no, I think I think the Clippers situation is somewhat like the Milwaukee situation too because not all the chatter's been about Milwaukee this year. Last two years, it's been oh, Bucks this, Bucks that, best record. And now I think that they've kind of like said, okay, everybody talk about the Nets, everybody talk about the Sixers, and and we're still here. But I think that's really interesting that they get Miami in the first round, man. I really mm-hmm. do, coming off of what happened last year. Yeah, but Ernie. I, look, I know what you're going to say, but that's not the same team. But, I mean, they got one of your favorite guys in in, in the world, Trevor Ariza, in that mix, too. Yeah, and, and I think Eric Spolstra had a blueprint last year, man.
0: And Chuck, you know as good as anyone that that going through the same team that puts you out, even though it just might be your own storyline and just something for y'all to have, like it's going to matter
2: to Milwaukee. And I 100% agree. But I love Drew Holiday. He's up there as one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I agree. Offensively I agree. and defensively, he's great. Uh, I really think he's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Even P.J. Tucker, I think, going to help. But I think the addition of Drew Holiday really has changed that team. No disrespect to Eric Bledsoe.
1: And none taken, I'm sure. Uh, but mm-hmm. their
2: team now with the addition, they're built for the playoffs. And, hey, listen, let's be honest. They're on the hot seat. <laughs> I mean, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Clippers, those three teams, they're all on the hot seat. I mean, they didn't go out and get Paul Jordan Kawhi and get Batoon and Serge Ibaka to say they never still. In year 100 in the NBA, they've never even made it to the conference finals. Yeah. Every time I see that stat, I'm like, the Clippers have never even made it to the conference finals. Right. That is crazy.
0: You're right about the Bucks, though, because you can't let the East pass you by. And if you had two seasons where you won the regular season, you have Giannis, you re-signed Giannis. Like, it's kind of like now's the time as we're watching the Nets get good who knows who's going to want to go ahead and play at Madison square garden in a year. We don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? In the off season, but like you can't let a season like this pass you by.
1: We've kept you for a long time, but let me ask you, (laughs) let me ask you something real quick. Uh, Look, college game day is one of the all time best shows. Um, Just love watching that. And I know um, it'll be great when things get back to where you can run that show the way, you know, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to run them with, with fans and everything like that, but just tell the folks on uh, listening uh, what it's like to be part of that atmosphere when it's really cooking on a college game day and uh, because that that show is awesome and it, man, it captures the excitement of college football like nothing else.
0: Yeah, I always say it's like the only job you can have here where you're going to have thousands of fans just cheering you on to do your job just because you showed up for work that day. There's <laughs> There's no atmosphere like it. We kind of got it in the draft. The the closest thing we've had to it since COVID started, a lot of fans came out to Cleveland and were there. But you know, we feed into it. We think of the fan as like the other co-host of the show. So we're showing them, We the signs are another one of the co-hosts, like it's a part, It's <laughs> it, it's embedded in what we are and what we do. And you're right, Ernie, like I think it, I do think it's one of the best shows on television. Part of it is because everyone loves working together. Everyone absolutely loves the sport and puts the sport first, you know, and wants to tell the stories. And we try to put the players and the fans first. And then after that, it's like okay, let's get technical. And what are the graphics going to be? But we have fun. The meetings are fun. We show up. We couldn't even ride together in cars. You should have seen us trying to like drive behind each other in separate rental cars. Like no one can park. I learned none of us could drive, and I can't wait till we can actually carpool together and like hang out and go get dinners and be together again because because that show's
2: special. Listen, it's interesting being an Auburn graduate and a Georgia graduate uh, because we are probably the most Ugh. I don't even know how to even, even phrase it like the most tortured fan bases in the world yes. right now. I mean, and I mean that sincerely because you got the greatest coach in college football history over in Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. and you got Auburn and you got Georgia who have to play them every year. And we have both been so close yet so far. Right. me and Ernie went to the, the last game where they saw two or three the touchdown on the last play of the game. Oh, stop, no.
1: man. I was working that game. Oh, <laughs> I'm I remember my son, Eric and I at halftime, we tracked down Chuckster because uh, mm-hmm. we were sitting in different places and we took a picture and I'm, I look at that thing and I'm smiling like crazy. Hey, George is going to be okay. So and, and then I just remember walking out of that joint and like, oh my goodness, I can't Oh, that movie again the next year. Yeah, but
0: that's Atlanta though. That's Falcons. You know, like we can we can get so close and it's always ripped away the last second. Let's
2: let's don't bring up that. Okay. I lost a lot of money. <laughs> hey, just like Ernie was smiling in that picture. Uh-huh. I was, Ooh, we are gonna win the Super Bowl. Chuck gonna win some money. We have twenty eight to three. We have twenty eight to three. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> oh, Tom Brady broke loose. Hey, Tom Brady <laughs> broke loose. The GOAT did his thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So Maria, um, have a great run during the playoffs. We'll be watching. I'll be watching y'all. We will. We'll be watching like watching. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully our paths cross here one of these days. And and again, just tremendous, tremendous job on the uh on the commencement address uh between the hedges and As we bid you goodbye, we leave the folks here uh, listening to the steam room a longer clip. And this talks much about your grandmother, Livonia Matthews. So as we head to break, take this in, folks. It is rich. It's amazing.
0: Now, the last guidepost that I absolutely love, it's called Legacy. But in order to tell this story, I have to tell the story of one woman. Her name was Lavonia Matthews, and she grew up in the Newtown area of Athens, which is about 15 minutes literally from this stadium. She was born to a 13-year-old mother. Her mother could have literally been her sister. For a young Black girl growing up in the South, these were not unusual circumstances, and usually it would kind of define the track that your life would go on. But Livonia was different. She knew for a fact that education was gonna be the key to her success. So she graduated salutatorian a year early from high school. And she dreamed about attending her hometown university. It was this university. But as a student of color in the 1950s, she was barred from attending. Ultimately though, Livonia was absolutely undeterred. She enrolled in the army And after four years of active duty, touring the world, she was honorably discharged, she decided to go back to school, and that's exactly what she did. She got her associate's degree in accounting, then went on to start her own trucking company, and she was responsible for helping to build the infrastructure for Metro Atlanta throughout the 80s and the 90s with her own company. Now... Livonia had every single right under the sun to resent this university, to resent a school that did not believe she was admissible because of the color of her skin. But instead she viewed this university as a beacon of hope. And she impressed upon her three daughters and absolutely all of her grandkids that Athens, Georgia could be a life-changing environment for them because she knew something. She knew that this soil, the soil that we're all sitting on right now, was special and it would help them grow. So then she was able to do something that not everyone gets to. She was able to proudly sit in this very stadium that we're all in right now and watch her eldest granddaughter graduate in 2009. She was the family's first University of Georgia graduate. And then she unfortunately passed away just 15 months later. But from heaven, she was also able to watch her youngest granddaughter become the second University of Georgia graduate. And today on the 60th anniversary of Charlene Hunter gault and Hamilton Holmes admission and desegregation of the University of Georgia, she's looking down at her granddaughter delivering the commencement speech to the class of 2021. My grandmother, Lavonia Matthews, planted a seed in me, deep in me, a seed of belief that graduating from the University of Georgia could change my life forever. And in every single way, she was absolutely right. I am Lavonia's legacy. And I ask of the graduates, what will be your legacy?
1: The Steam Room is brought to you by Tissot, the official watch of the NBA. The last T is silent. Yes, it is. Uh, you know what's not silent? Tim Kylie is never silent, and he is the longtime executive producer <laughs> inside the NBA. He wears so many hats, including a Hall of Fame hat that he's wearing today.
2: That was last weekend, TK. He's up on the Hall of Fame stuff. Well, Chuck, I bought my own hat, just
3: so you know. I'm not totally cheap like you say I am.
2: First of all, I got a bunch of that old stuff in my gift bag. You didn't have to pay for it. I could have gave it to you.
3: You know what else I got, Ernie, was Shaq's ring. Yeah. So he gives me the ring and it's uh it's a size 17. <laughs> oh boy EJ Chuck, thank you very much for helping a lot of guys get into the Hall of Fame that worked on the show. Yes, sir. But unfortunately, we did take an L when it came to the Webbies. We fell short this time. Yeah, I understand that. Wait, we did well. Who won? Well, the winner was 17 weeks, an NFL podcast. But hey, it's not all bad when it comes to the Webbies. Chuck, remember this call?
4: Chuck and Ernie, my dudes, it's Harry, loyal steamer Harry, as I'm known among my people. Look, man, congrats to you and the entire Steam Room team on your Webby Award nomination. I got nominated to separate category, no competition. But I made a video about my dreams coming true, playing drums, touring all these NBA arenas. And the fact that I'm even eligible for a thing that can be won by Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson, it just makes me so insanely grateful That I decided I'm going to donate 50 drum sets to 50 schools across the 50 United States if I win. Because that's how I got my start. There's a school in Alabama that had a donated drum set. Do it for the kids, man. And keep those towels on, fellas. Thanks. Peace. I
3: do remember that call, yes. Wait. And do you remember what you said in response to that message?
2: Roll the clip, Cap. Well, I tell you what, Harry. If you win, I'll donate 50 drum sets, too. So that'll make it an even hundred. So, Harry, if you win, you get back in touch with the TNT family. And I'll donate 50 sets also, brother.
3: Well, Chuckster, he won a Webby. Say hi to Harry. Hello,
4: dudes. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up, man? The musk is strong in the steam room, man. It's just like I imagined it. <laughs> yeah, keep your towel on, man. Hey, first of all, man, congratulations. Thank you, dude. You know, it's uh, it's not what I in- envisioned. I think the podcast category will go down as all, one of the all-time snubs, like Dave Cowan's MVP over Kareem in the 70s, man. Just, <laughs> I'm incensed.
1: <laughs> i watched a clip of your uh, adventure man and i love that i mean it's hilarious also gives you a real good idea of what you go through as you make your way from arena to arena what
4: did you want folks to to take away from that growing up going to concerts man drums are the first thing i found my identity in i'd go to these shows everybody's buying popcorn and t-shirts i'm just staring at the backstage. What's going on back there, man? Who are these bearded people with tattoos and walkie-talkies? And I just want to see behind this curtain. So when my dreams came true and I started playing in these arenas, man, it took it upon myself to document it, man. I had a video guy follow me around and we did the whole tour, man. And, and now the world can see those antics. We answered that question once and for all.
2: So congratulations again. And number one, we're going to make sure we get those drums. So I actually made a really bad decision when I was like, I think, 15. And I got a set of drums. And I was great for two weeks, then I never touched them again. Because I was like (laughs) a typical teenager, you get a gift for Christmas, and you do it every day for two weeks, then you it's gone. But I had a great two-week run as a drummer, I got to admit that.
1: Were you like in the high
4: school band, Harry? Were you in the marching band too, or in a
1: garage band in high
4: school? How'd you pick it up? I would not be a drummer. I would not be sitting here talking to you right now if I hadn't gone to school that had a drum set donated by another student who had gone there before me. He just left his drums there when he graduated. And I I cannot imagine what my life would be if those drums weren't just sitting there. Music is pretty underfunded in schools, man. But it's the first thing I found my identity in. It's the first time I felt like me when I started beating on those drums, man. So... uh. I went from being a dude who didn't want to even show up to school to eventually I was getting locked in the school. I would stay so late playing those things after school, man.
2: You know that every jock in the world has two goals and dreams, either learning an instrument or being able to sing for a living. You know, I don't want to brag on myself, but I'm considered the greatest living karaoke singer oh, still alive. Oh,
1: stop it, man. You're horrible.
2: But I love to do it. Does that make you great because you like to do it? Yes, anything. Like, like if you have a passion for something, I love to do karaoke, and I'm pretty good at it. Aren't it just a hater?
1: I'm a hater when it comes to you karaokeing. Yeah, (laughs) he's
2: just a hater. (laughs)
1: Hey, Harry, I'm trying to get Chuckster to watch Whiplash, man, and he won't watch it.
4: Well, listen, EJ, uh, when I come to Atlanta to bring uh, those generous drums from Chuck to the city school. Uh, I'll stop by the TNT studios. I got Chuck a copy right here. <laughs> hey, had a baby. Hey, don't you love that movie? Uh, it's uh, I, I I gotta admit I haven't seen it either. Oh, it's right here in my head. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh either. yes. Here's the deal, man. I love it. You look at the cover. My whole life is some uh some upset. I mean, maybe not as good looking as J.K. Simmons here, but um, your whole life as a young musician is like some crass music guy yelling at you and making you cry and go home and feel bad about yourself. So I figured just my life was probably this movie. I don't need to watch it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah.
1: Harry, just tell me one thing. Tell me how cool it feels when you are on stage because you're such a backbone for what folks are hearing. I mean, when you see them reacting to what you're doing, is there anything that matches that high? That's crazy that you would ask
4: me that question, Ernie, are you a musician at all?
1: I'm a wannabe, you know, I played around with a guitar a little bit. I took piano lessons, but I listened to music like crazy. And I just, and I'm into so many different kinds of it.
4: Well, look, I feel exactly the same way. I, it's weird sometimes being up there. Like what people are going to find me out one day, you know, but I've journaled about this a lot, man. There's, I, I can only count on one hand how many times I've really felt this, but there is such a thing as killing on stage where you enter that zone, I don't know if it's like, Chuck, like the night you would have dropped like 56 on Oakland in the 94 play, you know, where you just can't miss, like- When you're in the zone. Yes. Yes. And I've only felt it a handful of times, and the, you know, the addicting joy of playing music on the road, playing 180 shows a year is, you're constantly seeking that. A little bit of it is in your control, most of it is out of your control. And so you just prepare, you just work, you stay in touch with your instrument. And when everything collides you get this perfect storm on stage you leave your body and you you just you just watch music happen and you can you can feel 20,000 people in your hand and you can twitch left and just crush them you feel people getting crushed it's amazing Yeah
3: it's very cool Hey Harry I have a question
4: what does open-handed
3: playing style mean you're known for open-handed playing style
4: Dude, uh, that kind of means I that kind of means I did it wrong. You know, how, like I love basketball as much as I love music, but I, I'm such an outsider to it that my metaphor may be way off here. But, you know, but it's certainly true in baseball. You know, lefties have this weird, unique advantage, it seems like almost in athletics, because you get accustomed to right hand tendencies. You train around that. And then lefties really stick out all of a sudden. There's this whole world of possibilities you can open up on the drums if you play them backwards weirdly my path in the drumming world I, i've been lucky that part of my identity has become that i basically do it wrong man you're supposed to cross over your hands and look cool this way i play the opposite and they call it open-handed drumming man and i uh and I, I get to eat sandwiches at night because of it i'm so grateful <laughs>
1: that's, that's <laughs> tremendous man i uh we're really happy that you won i think that's i think that's tremendous and we're really happy because Chuck's going to match, uh, you know, your your drum donation. But when I think about that and I and I hear the way that you started because somebody had left some drums there, you don't know what this is going to do. And it may just take that one drum kit that was left at a school in this state that turns some kids life around, man. So that's tremendous.
4: Agreed, Ernie. Thank you, man. I, I've heard this sentiment from you before, Chuck. It's not even that I am uh, want to groom a thousand new professional drummers for the next generation. That's never what it was about for me either. It's about opportunities for people who aren't as lucky as me yet. I just got lucky that I found these drums, right? Um, something to mess with something that gives you more insight in yourself something that brings you together constructively with other people who play these instruments and then you start to get this bond man it's like i think the value of like sports in school is really similar right like what you learn about yourself from collaborating with other people that's the part that i'm excited about i'm so grateful to y'all that we're gonna pump all these schools full of drum sets man
2: well you know everybody's not gonna be great academically and basketball saved me just like music saved you everybody's not gonna have the passion dude read write, and arithmetic so you got to find the thing that keeps you so if if we meet some kids and they start playing the drum and it changes their life that's the best thing you can leave behind man yes sir listen if me and ernie had a one it was just been some more crap we could have put on the wall. I'm glad that you won because we're going to help some kids. So congratulations, my brother. Uh,
4: amen, dude. I thank, thank you so much for taking it to the next level. I got to say, when I got nominated, first I thought it was a joke. Why me? And then when I realized this was real and that I was competing with TV stars, I kind of shriveled up and went, I'm not even going to compete for this. And what changed the entire game, man, is I, I go running every night. I run a couple of miles at 2 a.m., I always put on the steam room. And Ernie comes on and goes, you'll never believe this. We got nominated for a Webby Award. And that opened this door in my brain like, well, look, if it's good enough for Chuck and Ernie and TK, (laughs) then like I I have to engage with this thing, man. I I have to compete. And um, that's when I called into the show and decided like, I don't really need to benefit from this. I've been given way more than I deserve in life. But if we can turn this into a thing where people who stand to benefit from it can and you've put us in that position like that changed everything i still got whooped until i called y'all and then it turned into like a news story chuck that you got involved and that's what i think we won by a a... (laughs) landslide. slide i i could not have done it without y'all man so um this is crazy i'm i feel like i'm gonna wake up from this any second thank you man (laughs) i love it
1: And if we ever open our studio back up, if you know, when we get back to uh, some sense of normalcy, and you're uh, looking for something to do, and you drive over from Birmingham, man, come by and hang out with us some night. It's a good hang, man.
4: I'm there in a heartbeat. Thank you, man. Ernie, I I think uh, I I tell people this, man. I think I've cried twice watching television. Once is when they air Forrest Gump, and the other is when um, in 15 or 16 when you came up and. took that Emmy and and said thanks and all but can the family of Stuart Scott come up here because it belongs on Stuart Scott's mantle and the just the tears were flowing man I was so moved by that and the tone that both of y'all set which directly affects this drum set thing easily the tone that both of y'all set of give it away we're we're blessed I go like that like that path really speaks to me man and I I try and follow in y'all's footsteps man
1: No, appreciate you, Harry. You know,
4: I think we're all kind of
1: like—if you look past yourself a little bit and see uh, how you're going to change somebody else's life today, if ever, you know, that's kind of a good recipe for fixing some ailments in this uh, in this day. But, uh, but thanks for the kind words. I appreciate you.
2: Hey, I can't wait to get
1: them drums, brother Harry. So do us a favor, watch Whiplash.
4: I trust your movie aficionado opinions, both of you, man. This is people forget this is not just a sports show this is also a movie critique show
1: yeah that's probably why we didn't win for best sports podcast <laughs> <laughs> has its drawbacks and it has its benefits uh have a great weekend man it's great talking to
4: you thanks a lot for making the time to hang with us man God, thank you all man uh everybody that works on this show is a uh Chuck, I know you don't want me to blow up his ego, but producer Cap, he's my dude, man. Oh, Lord. awesome. Oh, Lord.
1: Cap is quickly falling into the lines of the legendary. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) All right, man.
4: Appreciate you very
2: much. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, everybody, man. Till then. Thank you, brother. Watch Whiplash. You know, Ernie, I've actually had a chance to watch Whiplash like 50 times. But then if I watch it, I can't harass you saying I haven't watched it. So I turn it off <laughs> just to annoy
1: you. Dude, you got to watch it. It's a great film.
2: <laughs> I know it's a great film. I've heard, listen, and I, told you, I met JK one at this hotel one time. I know. Yeah, but i like to say, but it, it, but I get so much joy when you ask me if I watch Whiplash yet. And I said no, just the vein in your forehead popping out. It's just working.
1: Okay. How about this? I don't give a shit if you watch Whiplash. How's that?
2: <laughs> okay. I'm
3: going to watch it tonight. <laughs>
5: Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room.
1: Back here on the steam room. I hate to see this episode come to a close, Chuckster. I have been so inspired by uh, Maria Taylor and by uh, Harry Myrie. Uh, and his and his gracious act of donating drum kits, and you're going to do the same thing, and how oh, that can be a life changer. That, this has just been a great show. I mean, yeah, I think they're all noteworthy in their own right, but this one has been, yeah, this has been really special. This it was
2: it was awesome.
1: So let's hope that our our call on Chuck's answering machine lives up to what's uh, what's already happened here on this episode. Steamers, you can be the judge.
5: Here it comes.
2: You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America.
5: Ernie and Charles, it's Stav, the original loyal steamer from Down Under. Firstly, huge congrats to you and the crew at Inside the NBA for going into the Hall of Fame as media members. So I was watching the TNT broadcast the other night, and you guys were in the middle of your game break session. You just finished interviewing Jimmy Butler, went to ad break before the Phoenix and Portland game. Then the weirdest thing happened with the Australian television feed. Instead of going back to Inside the NBA, it cut to what clearly was Kevin Harlan and Grant Hill chatting off air when Kevin said this. Grant, you'll be happy to know that I'm wearing shorts tonight. (laughs) I can show you right here. (laughs) If you didn't catch that due to the recording quality, Kevin Harlan says to Grant Hill, you'll be happy to know I'm wearing shorts tonight Then proceeds to show Grant his shorts. So my question is, What's one of the weirdest off-air moments you've had at Inside the NBA? Keep up the excellent work, fellas. Stav.
1: Thank you, Stav. We appreciate you, man. It's always good to hear from uh, from our brother down under.
2: Yes, he's such an awesome Loyal Steamer. What's the w- craziest thing off the air?
1: I mean, Shaq Shaq dropped uh, an expletive.
2: He did that one time
1: as we as he thought we were in commercial break. And then he, and then he's like, "Oh, did I get on to you?" And then it did. And then, I mean, that was early on when he was with us. And then he came back at halftime, and he had a bar of soap in his mouth. He said, "That didn't go over very well at home." So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've I've learned my lesson. But yeah, that's one of those things that you. I mean, you gotta you've got to treat it like your mic is live all the time because you don't know even if even if you're supposed to be in commercial break. Somebody hits a wrong button. Somebody's late on a switch. Uh, Nobody's going to say, "Well, that must have been so and so running audio, or that must have been so." -so." It's like, "Hey, you said it."
2: Yeah, we we stab. We make sure, like, "Hey, are we off yet?" Because listen, there's some stuff we say behind the scenes that that we want to keep to ourselves. But (laughs) that's a
1: that's a good way to put it, Chuck.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, But no, man, we've been very fortunate. Cause we got great people around us and Hey, when we, they count down, they count down all the time. Three, three, two, one. And then we still wait a couple seconds before we say something crazy.
1: You know what you can always tell too, is if, if they're nervous in the control room, because a lot of times before we come on the air, like we're in a ready to do our pregame show and And they're counting us down, four, three, two. And you guys, maybe Kenny and and you are talking about something and it's still going on. And you can tell that Jeremy is is getting nervous that you guys aren't going to be quiet when we're actually on the air. And you can hear the countdown. He's going, four, three, two, one. And I (laughs) am like, you better shut up. So, uh, yeah, it's,
2: it's, everybody's trying to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. That's for sure. Great show today, Ernie. Great show today.
1: I had a great time on this one. I hope you did, too. I did. Maria Taylor, thanks for thanks for all the time you gave us. And thanks for dropping wisdom on that graduating class at the University of Georgia. Oh. That was tremendous. And thanks to uh, Harry Myrie. And congratulations to Harry for winning that Webby. And check out his uh, dude thoughts. Dude Thoughts, Dude Thoughts. I love that title. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Dude Thoughts. Thanks, everybody. Hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. Hope you have a great weekend, too, Chuckster, and uh, NBA playoffs. Cannot wait. And uh, we'll come up for air and record another podcast next week. We hope you all will join us then, you loyal steamers. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Love you all. See you.